This morning, uh, the, the message that I have is blessed in all that you do. Blessed in all that you do. Now, we think, <laughs> we can think of things that didn't seem so good at the moment or at the time. And as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7, we find that the, for the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you have done. Imagine where I got the title. <laughs> blessed you in all that you have done. He has known about your wanderings through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So here we are saying you are blessed in all that you have done. Well, wait a minute. We've been wandering around in this desert for 40 years. <laughs> well, we think, well, that's kind of a, you know, a question. Is, is God meaning that we, he, he has been blessing them while they're in the wilderness for 40 years? And the answer is yes. <laughs> He is blessing them in the wilderness for their 40 years. Well, it isn't uh, God's fault that they're in the wilderness. It's their fault. You know, it's like stepping into a trap and then saying, oops, now how do I get out of it? And then the pain that follows, God, why do I have pain for this? Yeah. Well, don't step in the trap, okay? Yeah. Um, there was a picture of a, an owl that was caught in the um, soccer net down at the ball field. And, you know, how did it get there, we don't know, but we know that it was there, and they had to go in and cut, it, cut the, the netting to get it out. And in our lives, sometimes we fly into those snares <laughs> that uh, they just are beyond our ability to free, and the more we try to free ourselves, the more entangled we become. And so an individual was called, and they went to the ball field, and cut out the netting, and the, the bird was dazed, of course, and uh, it kind of laid there, stood there for a while after it was free, and they walked away, and the uh, game commission came, and they walked back, it was gone. <laughs> so evidently it had come to itself and went off. Well, you know, well, what was it doing on the ground in a net? Well, evidently it was probably was going after something to eat. <laughs> so it was doing the very natural thing that it does, hunt, and found itself entrapped. Well, in our lives, I think there are times that we find ourselves going about our daily lives and almost find ourselves trapped. Trapped in an experience, trapped in something that is difficult, and we ask ourselves, is this being blessed by God? Is this something that I can be thankful for? Well, the challenge is, God says, all things work together for good. So the challenge is, for us to have enough faith to see beyond the, the challenge, beyond the, the bad that we are looking at. So looking beyond the net that the bird was caught in was a, a person who made a phone call to another person who came and released it from the net. So it was taken care of, it was helped, and probably from an unlikely source in its understanding of help. So we look at our life and we wonder, that God is telling the children of Israel, you've been blessed for your 40 years of wandering, okay? Well, how have they been blessed? Every morning they have food. Every day they have water. Now, you've got a million, two million people walking around the desert. They're going to need a lot of food and water, <laughs> and plus all their animals. So the desert is not a place where you wander around and, and, exi and exist, this, you know, they call it a desert because nothing, everything has deserted it. <laughs> okay? 
So it's a desert, deserted. There's nothing can sustain itself there. But the children of Israel, they lived there for 40 years under a cloud by day. And the cloud by day protected them from the sun. The pillar of fire by night, they had, they had their heater on every night, you know. They were warm every night because what's the characteristic of a desert? Hot in the day, cold at night. God protected them in their 40-year experience, their 40-year excursion to the beach. They just couldn't find the water, you know. It's got to be around here somewhere. They keep walking for the beach, you know. It's like people trying to sell you beachfront property in Arizona. Lots of sand, just can't find the water. So the wilderness is a place that people don't go there to live. They just, <laughs> very few people can live in a wilderness experience. But we find that God, in his taking the, uh, the children of Israel from their captivity, you know, you know, 400 years they spent in captivity in, in uh, Egypt. And what would make an experience worth leaving? Pain. So if they were content as slaves in Egypt, they would have never left. And even as bad as it was, and God delivered them through the plagues and through the red, you know, from the plagues upon the Egyptians, and then through the Red Sea and out into the Promised Land, even as bad as as as, uh, uh, as mighty as God's deliverance was, many of them wanted to go back because it was safer to be a slave than it was to be a free man in the desert with a promise that they would have a home sometime. Safer to be a slave in a, in a country where people didn't appreciate you than to be a free man with the hope of, with a promise in your heart of a place that God was going to give you. See, the challenge is, is can we see beyond the difficulties and can we understand that God is at, la- God is at work? For the children of Israel, they lacked nothing. They lacked nothing in their, in their everyday life. <laughs> they had everything that God wanted them to have. And I, and I think of, okay, going along that same scenario, I, I, go, I, go, I go along uh, to the book of Job. Now, Job is an individual that, um, well, I, I remember one professor used to say, you can always tell when people have a hardship in their life because they read the book of Job. <laughs> if you don't have a hardship, they don't read the book of Job, okay? But I don't think I have a hardship, but, you know, maybe Rhonda does, but I don't have a hardship, <laughs> you know? So hardships are things that we encounter. And one of the verses that I, I, I came across that was in the book of Job, it's chapter 29, verse 18. He says, Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. So Job is thinking about how good he's got it. You know, this is his remembering. I remember when I thought I had this beautiful nest and I was, I was probably, you know, the wealthiest man in the region, highly respected, and couldn't ask for anything more. Great kids, you know, servants, camels, mules, donkeys, and the whole works. I got it all. I've got a nest, a nest egg (laughs) in the stock market. 
Maybe this is my Job trial. Yeah. <laughs> is my nest being disturbed by things out of my control? Well, here we have Job, and he says that, and, and my days are going to be like sand in the sea. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good here, right where I'm at. Everything is going well. That's what he was remembering. But then he also, we know that he was, well, going to his prosperity. Job was prosperous, going well. Nothing, could have, nothing he thought could have happened that would take away this nest egg, this wealth that he had. Well, we know in the story of Job, everything goes away in a day. All of his wealth, people come in, steal it, take it away, kill the servants. I mean, it's all gone, wiped out. Even his family, his children, seven, seven sons and three daughters are killed when the house collapses in a mighty storm. And so Job has lost everything. And his wife says, curse God and die. Now, she's not a bad woman. It's just that she's in grief. She's lost all of her children. All of her children has died. I mean, you know, that's hard. And, of course, who are you going to take it out on? The guy and his God that he talks about all the time, and you can't see him anywhere. So, <laughs> something uninvited. And that's, that's the, I remember we, we would do um, workshops at the hospital. And I would do them and, you know, we'd talk about how do people become aware and help be volunteers and help people who are, uh, who have cancer or who have terminal illnesses. And then when it started, one of the ways we'd started off was that something uninvited has come into your life and taken your hope away. Now, how do you want somebody to support you? <laughs> how do you want somebody to approach you? Well, you know, it'll be better someday. <laughs> you got to buckle it up. I don't know, I can't buckle it anymore. You know, we gotta, you got to buck it up, put your nose to the grindstone. you got to push. You know, those don't count anymore. Those types of ideas, those types of things don't work. Because this is not a having a bad day feeling. This is my life is <laughs> coming to an end feeling. And what do I have to do? Well, Job, we find that this is what happens with Job. Something is uninvited has come into his life and taken everything that he possesses except his faith. And his faith in God is such that, now there's no written documents that Job can rely upon. Job has to rely upon what he knows of God in his heart. And this is where, you know, all that we talk about, all that we sing and the words, the scriptures and the sermons, what is in your heart that you know about God? See, it's what's in your heart that, makes, that develops the character that gives us the stamina to continue on in our walk with God. It's not an easy thing because sometimes there are things go wrong. Sometimes things happen, and for Job, <laughs> we see that he was a rich man. You know, he was probably one of the, well, he was the wealthiest man of his time. Um... He had, you know, just if you list through that, and I didn't bother to look up what he would be worth today, but he was certainly a multi-billionaire in today's economy. He was a family man. He was widely known. His character was blameless. This is the thing about him. He was blameless. He was upright. 
He feared God. He shunned evil. He had put his trust in God for the redemption and faithful and a faithfully lived um, a life that was honoring God. So, as a man of integrity. So, the question then that is raised is one that perhaps he even asked himself or could be asked by anyone. Does Job serve God with a pure motive? Or is he in it only as long as the blessings come? <laughs> See, you know, and I, I, we talk to, I get the opportunity to talk to lots of people. And uh, in talking to people, it's like, well, if you have to believe the gospel or the message that God blesses his people. And if you don't get the blessings, you don't have the faith. You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, we find that, do we serve God because of all the good things that come into our life? And this is what the, the question comes to God by Satan questions God. You know, he only serves you because you give him everything that he wants. Well, problems come in different ways. They come in different degrees of difficulty. Are there problems to prove to God something about us? Is somehow God, God doesn't know how, how we really are on the inside, so that's why you have problems? Well, the answer to that is no. <laughs> he knows more about us than we know ourselves. Second, are there problems to teach us the sovereignty of God? God is sovereign above all things. He is going to do what he pleases. And that's true. But we have to know the character of God. It pleases God to bless us protect us, help us, keep us, and to continue to grow our life and to grow us in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are the problems, are they for our benefit that we might see and understand God more completely? Hmm. Are they for someone else's benefit? <laughs> you know, I used to get that a lot. Um, well, I'm suffering because somebody else couldn't take it and God gave it to me. <laughs> Whoa, what a God, huh? <laughs> Going to sign up for that guy? <laughs> no! You know, how can you have such a, a, a faith? And then I, I remember the, the one, one lady, I, I know I've used this story before, but uh, I'm old so I repeat things. Uh, anyhow, the... You know, the lady fell and broke her arm, and I was talking to her, and she says, oh. I said, well, what happened? She said, God pushed me. Yeah, God pushed me. Oh, okay. I didn't explore that, but, you know, she was standing there, and she fell down and broke her arm. God pushed her. Okay, so after, when I, after being there for a while and was going to leave, and I said, well, is there something you want me to pray for? She said, pray that God would heal my arm. Wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me he knocked you down? <laughs> Now you want me to ask him to lift you up and feel, what kind of a God do you have? And you see, our difficulties and our understanding, and all these things come for a purpose, and it's basically to help us know the character of God. Understand the character of God and understand the, the grace and mercy of an eternal God who loves us and provides for us and so that we can see more clearly how much he loves us and his grace and mercy is towards us. So we are blessed in all that you do. Blessed in all that you do. 
does that fit for the life of Job? Well, we have to understand also, Job's trials were only for a period of time. They weren't for a lifetime. They were for a period of time. Although it was a very difficult period of time, they were for a period of time. So God has not given us a life. He's going to punish us our entire life, and when you go to heaven, you'll be happy. No. God is with us, and he gives us a purpose, and nothing is without a purpose, and everything brings us a level. Imagine that. Everything brings to us a level of understanding. Everything brings to us a level of our spiritual person developing. Psalm 8, 4 says, What is the man that you are mindful of him? What are we that you would think of us? Remember we were talking about if God had a refrigerator? Your picture would be on it. You know? So God is mindful of us. You know, you open the prison, prison door. You open up the refrigerator door. Who's there? You know, grandkids, people important. Your picture's on there. We're on to go home and make sure all the pictures are on the refrigerator. But uh, <laughs> your, your pictures are on it. So, and there are a lot of you there. So, um, one of the things people have a, a difficult time is we have to defend God. When bad things happen to good people, we somehow have to defend God. And do you know that we don't understand why things happen the way they do? <laughs> and sometimes we will never know, and we've often discussed this. Well, people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. Well, you know what? You won't ask him anything because <laughs> you'll know what it is. So in Job, we discover, as Job did, that it is possible that the righteous also have problems. It doesn't mean we've sinned, and that's what the, you know, Job's friends, <laughs> they're, they're lined up. You know, Job, you just don't understand. You did something wrong. That is why God is punishing you and took everything away from you. And they were convinced that that was the reason. And Job was convinced that's not what God is. Now, Job goes through a time in which he's defending himself and talking about, you know, I've been good, I, you know, I didn't do those things that are wrong. But the type of wisdom that, Job, that comes from Job is to embrace... that he could embrace the promise that he understood in his heart. And so, what is the promise that we understand? We understand that he loves me. We understand that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We understand that all things have a way of, God has a way of making all things fit into a divine pattern for good. So there's, there's a lot of things that we need to understand that problems cannot, should not, never be permitted to take away. Um, what else do I have here? So in the end, God offers no explanation to Job. When it all goes through the book of Job, there's no explanation. You know, if I can just understand why something happens, I can handle it. How did this happen? Didn't we always, I mean, we've always asked that. Well, how did that happen? It was not my fault. I've <laughs> never heard that one before. But, uh, you know, how did it happen? Was it a mistake? Was it a failure? What happened? Well, 
we find that this explanation, God doesn't give one. Um, <laughs> so Job called all of his, you know, called his friends. Well, his friend, I don't know if he called them up and said, hey, can you come over and help me? No, they just showed up. And sometimes when people show up to help, they're not a help at all. <laughs> uh, well, I won't go into that part. <laughs> Had a number of experiences where people, people, uh, I'll tell you this one. Uh, it's in my book, you know, if you want to read it sometime. Uh, this lady, her, her husband had died, and it was maybe a couple of months later, and this guy shows up at her house, and he says, Ma'am, I, I have, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have cancer of the brick of your house. And half of your house is just infested with this cancer. But if, you, if, I, if you'll let me, and for $20,000, I'll take care of it and save your house. She goes, oh, cancer of the brick. Oh. So she goes to the bank, withdraws $20,000. Guy power washes the side of her house. <laughs> okay? All right, so... It's not enough. About two months later, he shows up again. He says, ma'am, I couldn't get it all. I need to do the rest of your house. And for another $20,000, i will get rid of the clean, I'll get rid of the cancer for the rest of your house. So she goes to the bank, goes to the same teller, and says, I need $20,000 more. And, and the teller knows the family, and he says, well, so-and-so, how, how is it that you need... $40,000 in just a short period of time. She says, oh, this lovely man has come by, and I have cancer of the brick, and he's going to take it away. And the guy says, let me call the police. <laughs> there was no cancer of the brick. It was just dirty. And so he just power washed the, the side of her house and charged, was going to charge her $40,000 to power wash the side of her house. People try to take advantage of other people's pain. And people try to interfere, fix what goes on in, in the painful process of, of life, that you've got to have an answer for it. And I remember, I remember a, a situation where a lady, she had cancer, and this was, this was probably this was my first experience at it, so this was oh, 45, 7 years ago. And... Um, Young woman, beautiful child, husband, and she's dying with cancer. Well, there was a group in town that, that um, well, they prayed for this individual that was sick. And whenever she was dying, they came and said, God healed her of her cancer. She won't eat, so she, God, she's starving herself to death. I thought, you got to be kidding me. You're going to go tell the husband that God healed his wife and that she starved herself to death. You see, when people can't make the sense out of what's going on in life, they will make up things. Job's friends were the same way. That because we don't understand something doesn't mean we have to figure it out. We have to trust God that God is able to deliver God is able to sustain us. God is able to fit it all together to a divine pattern and to a divine good. Now, do we see it? Not, not all the time. Do we understand it? Half the time, 90% of the time, no. But that's not the point. The point is, do we trust him? The turning point is found in chapter 28. 
He says, where the character of divine wisdom is explained. You see, divine wisdom is a rare and priceless. Man cannot hope to purchase it, and God possesses it all. The wisdom that is of God isn't the wisdom that we have in figuring it out. So our wisdom is understanding that God has a way of working things out in our life to a divine good. Wisdom is soundness of an, a- an action or decision with regard to how it is applied to the experience. The taking of something and applying it to the experience and making it come to a position of good. That's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, <laughs> the wisdom of man is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. You know, when Jesus is here and he's talking about his life and talking about the, the being the Messiah and the Son of God and, you know, all these types of things, they all thought he was nuts because it didn't fit within the framework of their understanding. So, can we, can we allow ourselves to rest in the presence of God? Can we allow ourselves to not worry, but to have faith? God is capable of doing more than I can ever ask or think. And he does love me. And he is capable of raising the dead, opening the Red Sea, you know, manna from heaven. He's able to heal blinded eyes, the lame walk, to hear the gospel preached to them. He's a- There's nothing impossible with God. So Job is there looking at all this stuff, and in chapter 42, verse 1, it says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. So this is the summation of all the problems and all the advice and people telling him how bad he was and God was punishing him and all this stuff. He, he didn't, there was no preacher on Sunday morning to turn into, tune, tune on in the, in, the, in the camel radio. And so he says, I can, I know that you can do all things. It's kind of like what we have in the New Testament. All things, nothing is impossible with God, you know. He says, I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Anything that you plan cannot be stopped. You ask, verse 3, who is this that obstructs my counsel, obscures my counsel without knowledge? (laughs) He's asking Job, why are you trying to cancel out what, what you know about me? think that's for us why would we try to cancel out what we already know see don't allow the truths that you possess in your soul your heart your mind do not allow those truths to be canceled out by any event in life no event is greater than the truth of God's word and God's word heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away The word of God is going to last forever. The events that come and go in life will come and go. But they should never be used to prove or disprove the love of God. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I didn't, this is Job talking. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. 
things too wonderful for me to know. I was talking about things I didn't understand. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Job says, my ears have heard of you. Here's the key. But now my eyes have seen you, and everything is all right. No explanation, no why this happened, no why that happened, why this people came and raided your town, your children were killed. None of this, no explanation. He says, I see you. Now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself. I really look foolish about my arguments that I was saying. And I repent in dust and ashes for being so short-sighted in understanding your greatness. What I had is nothing compared to what I have in you. <laughs> That's what we are. Nothing, is in compare, nothing can compare to what I have in Christ. Nothing. And when I, and Job says, I see him. And also, Job, Job also says, that whenever, my, whenever the worms have consumed my flesh, yet in my flesh, with my own eyes, I will see God. He believed in the resurrection. But here he isn't dead, he's alive, and he sees and he understands God. So, we don't have to look at things to try and determine who God is. We allow the word of God and the scriptures and the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts that he is, God is, and I am his. That there is nothing impossible with God. That God will never leave me nor forsake me. That all things will come to a good conclusion in God. No event, nothing, no trouble, no disease, nothing should ever interfere or cut off those promises because they are yea and amen. They are yes and so shall it be. That is God's word. And when we see God in his word, we rest at ease knowing everything is good. Whether I live or die, I belong to God. Everything is good. And I will praise him, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God has created the universe, the stars and the sky. He's created all things, and he has created me and you. And we are the most important thing in all of his creation. <laughs> because it's you and I he created to live with forever. So poke somebody and say, get used to it. <laughs> get used to it. I'm living with you forever. <laughs> yeah, so. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths of your word that no experience can cancel out the knowledge of who you are and what you have given to us. Let us see you as Job did. Our ears hear of you, but now, Lord, we see you. 
we see you in your word. And we thank you for that revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.